Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 106. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there and welcome back. Today we are talking about greenwashing. We're talking about what it is and how to not get duped. Eco-friendliness is so hot right now, right? It's in. It is generally hip and cool to care about the environment. And companies know this. Marketing and PR specialists know that in today's market, 2020 right now, environmentally friendly products sell, hence an increase in the prevalence of greenwashing. Now, many consumers are under the false belief that greenwashing has to be explicit to actually be defined as greenwashing, but that's not the case. Remember the Volkswagen scandal back in 2015? That was when 11 million diesel-burning cars worldwide were fitted with a defeat device that could detect when they were being tested and change emissions performance accordingly to improve results. Yes, that was clear and blatant greenwashing happening there. It was also illegal, by the way. But it's important to know that greenwashing can be sneaky, and sly, and quite implicit, too. So on today's show, I have two very specific goals. My first goal is to define greenwashing in 2020 language so that the definition really gets to the bottom of explicit greenwashing, sure, but also highlights the implicit nature 
of greenwashing too. And my second goal is to offer up four tips and tricks to spot greenwashing so that you and and I too <laughs> will be duped no longer. And as I do that, as I'm giving you those tips and tricks, I'm also highlighting my favorite. And when I say favorite, I really mean my most not so favorite and laughable greenwashing examples. Now this week's episode has an awful lot of information. You should check out the show notes where I list everything we're talking about today. You can find those show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 106. That's mamaminimalist.com forward slash 106. If you have ever wondered where the term greenwashing comes from, if you've ever thought to yourself, oh, that's a weird word, greenwashing, well, the term actually has a really interesting story behind it. The year was 1983, and environmentalist Jay Westerveld was traveling in Samoa and Fiji. Now, if you've ever stayed at a hotel, you may have noticed that in the bathrooms, the hotel puts these blatant cards there, usually with a picture of a water droplet telling you, the consumer, that the hotel is eco-friendly and wants you to reuse your towels so that the hotel, in turn, can save water and be more eco-friendly, right? We've all seen those cards. That alone is an example of greenwashing. We'll get to that later when we talk about overemphasis. But back to Jay Westerveld. He was visiting Samoa, and he took a side trip to Fiji to surf, and he was staying in this grubby hotel a hotel that didn't have those placards. It probably didn't even give out towels. So he went next door to the fancy schmancy resort to borrow a towel. When he went over to this fancy schmancy resort, he noticed those placards saying, pick up your towels, reuse them. We want to be eco-friendly. And Jay probably, back in 1983, laughed to himself because he saw the irony in this resort promoting the reuse of towels to save this area's ecosystem while this resort was actively undergoing massive construction to both renovate and expand. So this resort was going through a massive expansion process to get more people to come to Fiji to make more money. They are constructing more buildings, you get the picture. So it wasn't until 1986, so three years later, when Jay Westerveld is back in the States and he's writing a paper and he wrote the sentence, quote, it all comes out in the greenwash. And he, of course, is playing on the towels being washed phenomenon. And the greenwash stuck around. Again, we talk these days about greenwashing a lot precisely because we as consumers demand more eco-friendly products in 2020. And companies, therefore, rely on greenwashing as a technique to make a profit. So what is greenwashing, really? Greenwashing occurs when a company or an organization spends more time and more money claiming to be green through advertising and marketing than actually implementing business and manufacturing practices that minimize their environmental impact. 
Greenwashing is about profit. It's typically a company that's making a claim in order to sell more products and make more money. Greenwashing is also a marketing ploy. And again, as the eco-friendly movement grows, more marketers are going to use it to their advantage because their main goal is to sell more stuff. And if they can sell more stuff by claiming to be green or highlighting their singular green attribute, then so be it. Thinking back to that Volkswagen example, that was clear and explicit and, again, illegal greenwashing. But many companies rely on implicit techniques to dupe us. And the first technique they use is to use cutesy imagery. So technique number one for you and I to spot greenwashing is to say no to those cute, green, leafy images. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about a product where the packaging is green or mostly green. There's a leaf or leaf images. There might be grass. There might be cute animals in the wild. My personal favorite is cows that are grazing in a green pasture, often on milk cartons. All these images appear so bucolic, right? But they're not reality. When a company uses imagery to appear environmental without actually being environmental, that's classic greenwashing. Now, here are some examples. Huggies diapers, Huggies disposable single-use diapers. They once had a, quote, clean and pure line, and the packaging had a smiling toddler sitting atop perfectly groomed grass And above her head, there were leaves surrounding her to give the impression that she's under a tree. The package, that plastic package, it was literally all green. And the image gives the impression that this little girl is having the time of her life in a park or perhaps a field. Now, on top of that, the packaging says, quote, organic cotton. No other words. No made from organic cotton. Just, quote, organic cotton to give the impression that these diapers are made, this clean and pure line of diapers are made from organic cotton, right? Well, that's great, but those words, organic cotton, along with that photo, are completely misleading because only a tiny portion of that disposable diaper in that package is actually made of organic cotton. The cotton on the inside of the diaper, the part of the diaper that actually touches this little girl's skin, is made of conventional, pesticide-laden cotton. So even though the package is literally green, and even though they've put tons of leaves on this plastic package, and even though they've written the word organic cotton on the package, there's very little that's actually eco-friendly about this single-use disposable item. Now, another example here, of course, is BP Energy. BP's logo is a green flower. Please look up BP's logo right now if it doesn't immediately pop into your mind. BP Energy is a major player in the oil and gas industry. And 200 million gallons of crude oil spilled into the Gulf of Mexico in 2010 due to BP's, quote, gross negligence and willful misconduct. So even though BP created and paid for commercials, 
with BP employees cleaning up ducks that were covered in oil after this spill. And even though BP slaps a green flower logo on everything, the truth is that there is very little that is eco-friendly about BP. Now, a side note here is that BP suggests through its logo that it as a company is more eco-friendly than its competitors. It's the green choice when it comes to the oil and gas industry even. Well, my friends, that makes no sense because BP competitors who are also in the oil industry are pretty darn terrible. So if everybody's terrible, it makes no sense to be the best of the terrible, right? If the imagery on the package or if the logo is so grandiose and so amazingly green that it diverts attention from the real issues at hand, that is greenwashing. Because in general, right, in general, true eco-friendly companies aren't all that overt in their green imagery. Think about it. Their products have plainer packaging, too. So the technique here for you and I to not be duped is to inspect that packaging and pick it apart with a fine-toothed comb. If the packaging, if the logo looks too good to be true, it probably is. All right, so that's tip one. Say no to the cutesy imagery. Tip two is to beware of the fluffy language. We just kind of talked about this with the organic cotton and the Huggies diapers, but I'm going to give you a list of some commonly overused words that have no actual meaning. Here we go. Eco-friendly, certified, natural, non-toxic, pure, earth-friendly, and even, this is crazy, even cruelty-free is now a word that's hotly contested these days. All these words give a sense of credibility to a product, right? But the problem is that corporations can wrongly use these labels without consequence. And I would even argue that these confusing and misleading labels, when they are misused on purpose for marketing purposes, lose their meaning altogether. Food packaging immediately comes to mind when we're talking about fluffy language. Tyson Chicken, in particular, was busted for putting an all-natural, quote, all-natural label on their premium quality chicken. This Tyson Chicken that we're talking about was not all that natural because (laughs) their chickens were treated with antibiotics and then fed GMO corn. So what is all-natural about that? If there is no supported information linked to the labels and the logos and the packaging to explain how that product fits in with the company's claims, it's smoke and mirrors. Now, conversely, if a product boasts highly scientific claims with tons of big words that only a scientist could decipher, that is also greenwashing. So if you see some awesome green claim, either totally ambiguous or totally overly scientific, double check it. Go to their website. Is there a lot of information or do you see a lot of ambiguity? If it's either really vague and unspecific or too specific that the general population could never understand it, it is greenwashing. Now, finally, when it comes to fluffy language, 
A great way to tell whether language is fluff or whether it's legitimate is to research and see whether the product in question has a legitimate standard label from a third-party certification. So usually those third-party certification labels are right on the product, and that is a smart way for you and I as consumers to separate real from fake. If a company is indeed certified by a third party, they will absolutely 100% put that third party's label smack dab in the center of their product. So be on the lookout for those. Technique number three is to spot those overemphases. Now, what on earth do I mean by that? Well, Overemphasis happens when a company emphasizes one tiny green attribute when everything else about them is not green. It's all about highlighting an eco-friendly practice that really, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, isn't all that important. We're going right back to Jay Westerfeld and those towels, right? That was overemphasis. Now, I have three examples for you here, and they're all slightly different, so stay with me. My first example is your average sneaker manufacturer. This manufacturer has a recycling program for its sneakers, and that's awesome, right? This company shouts its recycling program from the rooftop so that you and I and every other consumer thinking about buying this brand knows that you can recycle their sneakers. Well, this company is also ignoring the fact that they continue to knowingly pollute the streams and rivers around their factories. This is greenwashing 101. When you emphasize one green aspect of a company and ignore all the rest. Example number two is any piece of technology, right? You order something something electronic, and it arrives at your doorstep in recyclable materials. Awesome. Maybe there's even that recycling logo on the packaging to make you feel good about your purchase. But the company that manufactured that piece of technology completely ignores the environmental impact of creating that product. So if you listen to last week's episode with Adam Minter, That was episode 105, all about the dark side of donating. Adam made the important point that the real environmental impact of stuff happens on the manufacturing side. An iPhone, for example. When you look at an iPhone's life cycle assessment, a whopping 61% of the environmental impact comes from the mining of raw materials and in the design and production of that iPhone, 61%. So more than half of the environmental impact is on the mining and the design and the production. It's not in the disposal of the iPhone, and it is certainly not in the disposal of the iPhone's packaging. So while, yes, I would argue that it is important to package goods in recyclable materials, it is far more important to tweak and change manufacturing practices on the front end, like not mining that copper in unsustainable ways to make that phone. Example number three when it comes to overemphasizing is, for the ladies, tampons without applicators. These brands love, absolutely love, to tout the fact that because their product does not have a plastic applicator, they are more eco-friendly because they create less waste. 
Well, it is certainly true that these tampons without applicators create less waste. However, (laughs) the cotton is still grown with herbicides, insecticides, fertilizers, and other chemicals during that growing process. Spraying crops with harmful chemicals is not eco-friendly. It goes without saying. So companies that have sustainability as a well-ingrained part of their mission, and not just part of their marketing, part of their mission, will have detailed information and transparent plans on their sustainability efforts on their website. So do that research, my friends. Tip number four, my final tip for not being duped by greenwashing is to trust your gut and to trust Google. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you have particularly perked up on these solo episodes when I'm talking to you essentially about conscious consumerism, you already know not to take advertisements at face value. You already know that there's always an ulterior motive to get into your pocketbook. So trust yourself. My all-time favorite example to highlight the importance of trusting yourself is when we talk about bottled water. It does not take a genius to know that the sleek new eco design, keyword eco, right? Eco design, it's like a sleek bottle that's skinnier in the middle. You know already that that sleek new eco bottle does not change the fact that all those plastic water bottles are single-use disposable items, right? Or water bottles that are made from recycled plastic. Okay, I guess. (laughs) But if you're buying bottled water in plastic, you're telling companies to continue creating more. Now, what about boxed water? This just blows my mind. The slogan for boxed water is, quote, boxed is better. Boxed is better. Well, better for what? Again, trust your gut. What is lining that paper box, that cardboard box, to ensure that the water inside does not create a mushy cardboard mess? It's definitely plastic, and cardboard lined with plastic is called a Tetra Pak. Tetra Paks are notoriously difficult, if not impossible, in many locations to recycle. So that boxed water, who is it better for exactly? It's surely not better for the environment. The key here is if your spidey sense is going off, trust that. And if you're genuinely unsure, go ahead and Google it. The internet is a gigantic black hole of information. So use that black hole to your advantage. All right, so really quick to recap my four tips for you to avoid being duped. Number one is to say no to the cutesy imagery. Tip two is to beware of the fluffy language. Tip three is to spot all those overemphases. And tip four is to trust your gut and Google. While it is fantastic that our push for corporations to be more eco-friendly is being heard, we now have to take that next step and make sure that companies and corporations follow through 
with what we want and instead not try to just manipulate us into greenwashing. So my sincere hope today is that I have given you some solid information for spotting that implicit greenwashing that is occurring more and more all around us. Now, if you like your information in written form, head on over to this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 106. This week, I have a quick eco tip for you. It is from Louise. Louise wrote to me and said that she sells everything online instead of donating it. We talked about this last week, right? We talked about the environmental impact of donating. Well, Louise already knew that donation centers cannot handle all the stuff. (laughs) So she sells it instead to people who want and need it. And you know somebody wants it and needs it if they're willing to pay for it. Now, as a side bonus here is that Louise makes a little bit of money. So if you have stuff and you have a couple extra minutes, put it on eBay, put it on wherever, put it on Facebook Marketplace, and make a little money and make sure that your stuff is going to someone who's going to use it and love on it. Because you can't be sure that that's happening when you donate. On next week's show, I am speaking with a hoarding expert. We are discussing the differences between a cluttered home versus a hoarding home. And the best part is my guest gives some solid tips for you and I to support our friends and family, and maybe even ourselves who have trouble letting possessions go. I will see you then. Have an amazing week and take care.